I was just thinking, is this going to make this the second ever inaugural, inaugural episode? <laughs> <laughs> it's happening again. It's just like uh, Twin Peaks. It's happening again for the first time. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Derncast, the only podcast that talks about the works and life of actress Laura Dern. And all of her very classic films. Like today, we're talking her most classic film. Okay, we're talking Grizzly 2 The Predator or Grizzly 2 The Concert, depending on what cut you watched, because this movie is not available publicly. Great, that's great. So you guys can all see it easily, and you definitely don't have to put any work into tracking it down, so this is super obviously a great start for a podcast. But hey, it's fine. I'm not alone in this journey, this discussion. I'm joined by writer, podcaster, site runner, Zach. Hello, Zach. Hey, how's it going? Zach Lawton here. Good. Good. It is going great. We're talking Laura Dern. We're getting into it. So basically... I'm excited. I know. I'm glad. I'm glad. Gotta be excited. So basically, the rundown of what this podcast is, is basically every week we're covering another work of Laura Dern, whether it be a TV appearance, whether it be a movie... And we're not going chronological. Uh, it just happened that we are actually starting with the first thing that she's credited with on IMDb. I believe this is the very first credit she has because this is 1983 is when it was filmed, but it kind of never got released. We'll, we'll talk about it, but just our guest so kindly offered to talk about this movie. And I figured no one else on the planet would want to talk about this movie. And after seeing it, I can see why. Uh, but... <laughs> You know what? Before we get too far into it, we're going to start this episode like we're going to start every episode from here on out. Talk to every guest. Zach, I want to know what your exposure to Laura Dern is and how, I don't know, like how you got to know her. Well, the first time I seen her in anything was Jurassic Park. And then at that point, I was so young that it was just like, those are people. I don't know who any actor or actress was back then. But then when I was older and I came to Blue Velvet and it was just like, holy crap, that is a performance and bam, that's probably how I came to her, I would say. No, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I feel like we're going to hear the word Jurassic Park a lot. Um, that's going to be a fun episode. You're going to have to battle people back to guest on that one. Well, what I'm actually doing for that one is I think I'm going to do multiple Jurassic Park episodes just because I have had so many people want to talk Jurassic Park. Nobody wants to talk Jurassic Park 3 yet, so I'm going to try and convince one of them to be I like, love Jurassic Park 3. Alan, Alan. Uh, but that does feature a very short Laura Dern appearance, although coincidentally, I think longer than this movie, in fact. This, but she did not get to Mac on George Clooney in that one. That is true, that is true. Zach, Talk about a way to start your career. Oh, I know. Oh my goodness. Zach, what movie are we watching, and can you kind of give me a little rundown on at least the version <laughs> of the film that you watched, and why did you pick this movie? Uh, I picked this movie because it's a, a uh, disaster, absolute, completely. Uh, the whole filming process was a disaster. Everything that could go wrong seemed to have gone wrong at the end of this movie, and then into into uh, in '88 to get picked up again, and there's a never disaster that happened there 
And it finally got released by somebody who just put the work print online, and that's called Grizzly 2, the concert, and it's what I watched. However, a fan took that, and they made what you watched, I believe, which is Grizzly 2, the predator. And what they did was they took uh, footage of the bear from the first movie and cut it in. Because when you watch this movie in the work print, it just... Uh, you would have, like, a guy who's like, there's the bear! And then you would cut to a blank white screen. <laughs> and then everybody... And then, like, another guy would go fly in. But you would hear somebody go, action! Then he goes flying, cut! He lands, and they do, like, four different angles. So it was really like they were letting you edit the movie and kind of picture what it was supposed to be. That's amazing. It's like a real interactive experience. You know, you're putting yourself in there. You get to be the bear. You look you know into what? the whiteness. It's basically virtual reality. Yeah, pretty much. You look into the, the white void where the footage is supposed to be, and you become one with the bear. You go full midsummer, and you just become one with the bear. So, I mean... <laughs> It's clear. It's clear. This is a very heady, emotional, dramatic film. Okay. Zach, have you even seen the first Grizzly? No, I was going to watch it for this podcast, and then I realized I didn't care enough. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I can't really blame you for that. I was also considering watching it for this podcast, but I thought it would be more amusing if we just talked about Grizzly 2 without having any context for Grizzly 1. And to be honest... Well, hey, good news. You got to see half of it. Yeah, I know. Good news. I did get to see <laughs> half of it. Uh, it's 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 amusing, though, because there is no reference to a first film in this movie Oh, no. At all. It, it's absolutely clear that this movie was... Um, a lot of it was clearly what uh, Red Letter Media would call a shoot-the-rodeo moment, where they had access to a concert, and they just built a story around that. Yeah, yeah. And, and did you know what concert... I story uh, with that. Oh, okay. I do, yeah. Okay, I was going to so, say, you want to get into that? It's really interesting, because in, in the movie, it's uh, the worst Europop trash you have ever heard in your life. It is such terrible, ter uh, terrible music, because me. none of the musicians that you hear are real. Excuse me, um, there are such wonderful lyrics like, get the milk out of the oh, coconut... No. I take the milk from the coconuts. I take the milk from the coconuts. Repeated at nauseum. Oh, that's at the thing. You have times. to repeat it a thousand more times because that's all it was. And there's some like... It was absolute... Right. Oh, but the fun thing is the concert was real. It was a... There was a, an early metal band or at least what my father sat me down and said, this was metal in my day. And I went, fuck no, it wasn't. Uh, a band called Nazareth. So they played a show in hungary where the film had happened and then after nazareth finished playing a band that nobody knew about because they only existed for the movie came out and played and so nobody in that crowd had any idea what the hell they were watching because nobody told them who this band was that nobody told them they were in a movie so it's just like somehow somebody got access to this concert and just tricked all these people essentially <laughs> Wow, you know that's amazing. I kind of love that. It uh, d did the real life concert also end with a bear prop uh, being stuck through a electric -y screen and then getting set on fire? I think, I think it kind of had to, because like that was footage of the concert watching that happen. So I think they had to have had that. Like they probably didn't have the prop like it probably didn't have the action of putting it on there but it was probably on there and they probably suddenly like it up and everybody was like whoa what is happening i don't know but i'm going with it <laughs> which 
let's be real, is the most ridiculous way I think I've ever seen a main villain killed in a movie. And, like, especially one of these creature features. Because, so the bear, we're going right to the end. We're going right to, we're going to talk, oh, we're going to jump around a little bit. But we need to talk about this scene. We might as well, because the movie that I watched it does. (laughs) So, okay. So, there is a bear... And it's, like, going after our main character, who is this lead of the park. He's, like, the head park ranger. And he's been warning, like... Oh, he's just a douche. He is kind of a douche. And he keeps warning the lady running this concert. He's like, there's a giant bear out there. It's gonna come. It's gonna eat everyone at this concert. And you're like, oh, great. Now I have something to look forward to. Because, like, this is the setup of the movie. Because the 60 minutes until that happened don't really matter. Well, yeah, exactly, because it doesn't make any, like, you're watching that whole movie, and you're going like, okay, it's going to be like Jaws, and something's going to happen at the concert that's going to be huge, and, like, this bear's going to rampage through the concert, because, like, no, that's no, what you'd expect. going to spend 60 minutes watching them rehearse. No, yeah, and he's not joking either. There is a lot of watching rehearsals. But anyway, so our lead park ranger, he's trying to be all aggro to this bear, except he, like, starts talking to it lovingly. He's like, come here, girl, come here, girl, come here, come here, come after me. Well, that's because his wife was trying, or was that his wife? I don't know. That's because the female character in the movie, I wish I knew her name, but none of these characters have names in my head. Uh, she the whole time she was like, it's just wounded in that it's it doesn't know what it's doing, and she's trying to be like, only use tranquilizers after it's killed four people. Hey man, I care for that bear. That bear's pretty dope, so I wanted to care for the bear. But he's that go- bear's a mass murderer. Oh, of course, but I mean, like people have sympathy for Leatherface, so why can't you have sympathy for this bear? Um, so I'm just- psychopath has sympathy for Leatherface. Ah, well, certainly not I. Uh, but yeah, so he's lovingly talking to this bear, and he's like, "Come on, come on, girl!" And the bear starts like charging at him, and then the bear like bashes its head through the concert, like where the concert's happening into all the wires and starts getting like electrocuted and you're like damn okay i mean like i guess that's one way to end the movie and the concert is like everyone who's like at the concert starts cheering because they're like really into it even like aren't they like clapping to the beat or something yeah clapping to the beat and there's like this rich the rich jerk who is like the one who's like hosting this concert who you think is going to get her comeuppance again like jaws (laughs) no no her concert goes off without a hitch and actually goes off better because the people who are, like, famous, the senator who shows up to the concert. By the way, this is a concert is, like, the equivalent of, like, Woodstock-ish kind of a concert. Senators ain't going to Woodstock. Let's be clear. This is, like, Woodstock, though, for, like, people that don't actually want rock and roll and, like, don't have any taste, though. Okay, so that's if true. Was, Maybe if senators. there was any version that a senator would go to, it would be this, like... This nope stock. This nope stock. Yeah, so so they all clap, and nobody gets their comeuppance. The bear gets killed. They don't just clap, and then one of them turns to the evil lady and goes, is this part of the show? And then she just goes, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Do you think that was... That must have been, like, the director. The director probably said that to so many people who were, like, at the concert. <laughs> were like, like, is this part of the show? This seems, like, not very rocky. Like, what, what is happening with this weird new age? No, 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 it's it's part of their show. Don't sue. You signed an NDA. Can we talk about Laura Dern's role? Of course. Of course we can, because that's why we're here. We gotta talk Laura Dern's role. 
what how how important was she this hollywood a-lister to the plot um she says some swear words and you know you don't hear laura dern swear a lot in movies i mean depending now you do big little lies i think she like she unleashes like a torrent of swear words but i mean you don't normally see her swear so she's like climbing she's doing some hiking she's hanging out with george clooney with old george clooney's well, no, no, with young George Clooney. Well, that's fair. That's fair. This is, this is the youngest I've ever seen him, I think. I'm trying to remember because there's a movie called Slaughter High. And in Slaughter High, George Clooney shows up and he... Yeah, he's the uh, the security guard that gets killed in the beginning. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, I feel like that was slightly after. Oh, it is. It is. Slaughter High is 86. So, yeah, I guess this might uh, be... I was going to guess 87. This might be the youngest we've ever seen seen George Clooney. Um, Slaughter High is a bad movie, by the way. Don't, don't watch oh, it. Oh, yeah, don't watch that. Don't ever watch that movie. That's a really, really bad movie. That's what that's that's what's called when you've seen too many horror movies and you're really, like, uh, at the bottom of the barrel trying to figure out what to watch. Um, but, yeah. Do I watch Slaughter High or Ghoulies 3? <laughs> okay, look, Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College is a classic and I will hear you know what I'm with you there it's up there with night of the comet or no night night of the creeps oh night of the creeps nice nice I'm down I'm down yeah okay so it looks like the only thing that um oh my god the only there are two things that he was that Clooney was in before this one was a an episode oh sorry I guess it was a tv miniseries called centennial and what this this was a 20 hour show like so i guess i had like 20 episodes it's like hardly a mini that's series. not a mini series that's like that's a, that's, just a series that's just a series but okay and it was and it's about the economic and cultural growth of colorado spanning two centuries from the mid 1700s to the late 1970s that is oh my god sign me up i am so wet and i'm sure you'll be really happy to see what uh what our friend clooney was doing uh, he was young man carrying a barrel in one episode. <laughs> I thought you were going to end with carrying a bear and tie it all together. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. And then there's a movie that like we are not sure exists because um, it has no poster and it's just called And They're Off. So really, this was the first meaty role that our friend Mr. Clooney was in are you saying meaty because five minutes into their appearance both laura dern and george clooney get eaten yeah i mean kind of i mean hey they just disappear immediately it's true it's true and was the other friend charlie sheen or was charlie sheen a different character because charlie sheen is in this as well oh i'm not sure i'm not sure because it's like again it's like the work print and like even the version i was watching like the quality makes it well the quality is absolute trash like the only the only good parts are probably those shots of the bear exactly because they were from the first movie um yeah like there's nothing in this movie like you're you're looking you you described the end with the bear and you described it beautifully because all i saw was a bear and some lights it is a horrible horrible print and there's a reason for that because this movie never got finished yeah it it, it was weird because um oh also apparently this is not laura dern actually had some stuff before the before this movie uh the only thing that she that's good yeah More to dive into. yeah exactly so she she was in like a few like little movies before this but um it, 
The... Let's be honest. This was also a little movie. No, 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 no. This was a big deal. This was a huge deal. This was a very important. This was such a big deal that they didn't even bother filming all of it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the history was they, I think they just decided not to release this, and then Canon brought, bought up the rights. <laughs> well, the, the history is, first off, why didn't they finish filming it? They didn't finish filming it because they ran out of money and the Hungarian government seized all of the film equipment. <laughs> oh my god, I missed that part. Really? Legitimately, if you go onto the IMDb, one of the top uh, comments is somebody that worked on it. He says that he was supposed to shoot um, – they had three different versions of the bear, and apparently the bears worked. There's a, There was a rumor that the reason the film got canned was because the animatronic bear wouldn't work and they sunk too much money. Apparently all that was fine, and this guy was supposed to be like second unit director on one of the or special effects director for one of the versions of the bear, and he's like, no, they ran out of money, they seized all of our equipment, much of it our personal equipment, and just booted us the fuck out of the country. Damn. So what you're saying is the Hungarian film market actually ended up getting a lot from this picture, probably. They probably got all new, like, selection of cameras. They're like, yeah, now we can make some Hungarian movies. Get out of here with your stupid grisly oh, man. sequel. We, one of these days, I got to sit down. I got to look at the dates and see. Let's see. Was there a Hungarian film boom in about 85? <laughs> can you imagine the, the, the results of this movie? Well, it's crazy because, like, Canon bought the movie to finish it, and then Canon went bankrupt. Yeah, because I was in 88, so at that point, I, is, is that the year that uh, He-Man came out? Oh, Masters of the Universe? Because uh, that was their last, they lost all their money on that film, essentially. So at that point, they were like, they had been doing all these small, awesome horror and action movies. Then they started to kind of get, feel like, oh, we can do bigger. And they took on, uh, they grabbed Death Wish, they grabbed um, Superman, like the later oh, ones. Oh god, they did Superman The Quest for Peace, which is like... Oh gosh, 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 gosh! Oh my! Yeah, that is some uh, hot, hot garbage. Fun though, very fun. Yeah, it is. If true. you're drunk enough, you have a great time. It's true. But Ma they bought this right at that period when they were about to just completely disappear because they sunk all their money into He-Man, so much so that they actually didn't have enough to shoot and ended for He-Man. And Hasbro had to step in. I think that's who owns the rights to the toy. They had to step in and give their own money to make the end of the movie. Yeah, no, you're uh, spot on because uh, Master of the Universe came out in 87, so that's like right around the time when they were just like on their last legs. So, Yeah, so they purchased this in 88, so at that point they were like, let's grab something cheap and just get get a few inserts. This is almost a complete movie. Just go back to making the cheap stuff, but they just couldn't hold on. Wow, that's crazy. Have you ever seen – there's like a really good Canon Films uh, documentary. Oh, yes, uh, Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo, yeah. Like it's actually it – the Untold Story of Canon Films, I think it's the subtitle. Yeah, it's called, like, The Wild un and Untold Story of Canon that, Films. Yes. And it's... It, oh, it's great. It is great, because it's, like, a wild, wild movie. Because, like, you, you learn all about, like, Manaham uh, and Golem. Menachem Golem. Yeah, Menachem Golem and... And, and um... Oh, oh man. Oh, goodness. I, in my head, all I'm getting is Goblin Globlin, and that's not <laughs> at all... <laughs> Although that sounds like a He-Man villain. Goblin Golin! Coming to get you, He-Man. That was a bad movie. 
a lot of fun though. Just like the super, like they made, they did not make really good movies, but they knew how to have fun. Yeah, it's true. It's true. There was uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty guaranteed that you'll at least be entertained by like if they if they had the money to finish this, there would be some good gore in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it completely as, lacks. As is, there are some there's some great. Okay, I I need to I need to know. When you see Laura Dern die in your cut, Laura Dern and, and, and they're like screaming, do you get blood on the camera? No, oh, I don't think so. Okay, that means they added it in this cut because, yeah, it's bad. Because, like, there's every, no... every Every kill is just like you hear the bear, but you never see it. And then it's like you, you hear a couple characters scream and then you cut and you just don't see those characters anymore. Damn. So, yeah, you see. Uh, Laura Dern and George Clooney screaming and then like blood like fake blood like the like when you got shot in like GoldenEye like that kind of blood just shows up on the screen and you're like um <laughs> that's a weird choice but okay they were trying to make they were they were trying to make something out of what they had I gotta give them that yeah it's true it's true and because the wild it was just probably like just some fan that did it i think so i think so just somebody who's a fan and i mean like god bless them because like somebody had to try and do something with the movie they originally put that cut on youtube but it got removed because whoever owns the rights put a like a copyright strike on on that version because they own the work print but they're not doing anything with the work print so somebody owns a right for this movie is constantly like searching it on youtube or any other platform and being like no you can't put this up here. Despite them, like, doing nothing with it, it's so... Which is very disappointing. Yeah, it's so disappointing. Like, I kind of want them to just show up and, like, uh, I don't know, like, have, like, Shout Factory or someone be like, look, give us everything, and we'll try to make something out of this. We'll give you, I don't know, we'll give you a nice group I would, well, I would love to see Shout Factory just release the work print. Or, no, get the rights and release both versions. Like, all you have to do to release the other one would get you need the rights for grizzly 2 and grizzly 1 if you got both of them boom release a grizzly 2 set that is or just a grizzly set do grizzly 1 and then both versions of grizzly 2 yeah no i mean perfect that's just gonna print money because after this podcast everyone's gonna want to see this movie guys can we you know what we should give the people some more of the character of this film sure so we should talk about the absolutely racially sensitive a portrayal of a drug dealer Oh, wait, there's a drug dealer in this movie? Who is the drug there... dealer? Oh, my God. So they cut to a guy who is just the most stereotypical Jamaican oh. you could have. Oh, that guy. I didn't know he was a drug dealer. I thought he was just offering that guy some, like, cool weed. Cool weed makes you a drug dealer. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He was trying to <laughs> he was trying to get him to pay for it. Okay. Yeah, like, he, that's what he was there for, and that's apparently why he's been kicked out before. And then at the very end, you see him back again, just like smoking a joint and watching the bear wreck hell. Which, I mean, that must have been a great time. Can you imagine? Like, that would be like the greatest scene in history. Because um, <laughs> the other racially sensitive and uh, super woke portrayal of the in this movie is Jonathan Reese davies Yes, Sala from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Gimli from the Lord of the Rings film is in this movie. And okay. This is his character. His character is a Quebecois hunter 
whose family got killed, his wife and daughter got murdered by a grizzly bear. Okay. It's very you know you just, you need to make it clear here. Murdered is the right word. They make it clear that there's intent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he apparently loses it. He loses all touch with reality and then becomes an indigenous person in his mind to start tracking and hunting bears. Because that's how that works. Because that's how that works. And <laughs> he shows up in like full like if you were watching like a, a a poorly made John Wayne movie, this is what like the antagonists would look like. Oh no no no. Do you know what he looks like? He looks like um this is what it would be if it was a John Wayne doing a Davy Crockett. Oh my goodness, that is very true. Because he's just, he's got like the fur cap and everything, or he's got like a fur shroud on him, I think. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's 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 beautiful. And he is the world's greatest grizzly hunter, apparently. And we only know <laughs> this because the guy who talks to a dead rabbit told us so. so. We only know this because the movie told us, because the movie... He didn't show us that he was the best hunter. The movie showed us that he killed the wrong bear and then got his ass kicked. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, the best kill in the movie is him getting impaled. Like he does get impaled on like a stick. Or, like oh, that's so good in the work print too. There's like because it's so you hear you hear like you have the moment where it comes in and it hasn't started yet, and then he starts to act so he's just like there holding it and clearly fine and then suddenly starts going oh, oh no <laughs> oh it's 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 amazing it's so much fun that is so that is so good i love that so much that is like the only worthwhile kill in this movie although there is another kill in this movie that i want to talk about in a second but his whole character is baffling because he again You'd think that, like, again, we're just going to go by Jaws because this is clearly a Jaws ripoff in how it's made, right? So you'd think that he'd be the Quint character who would be, like, leading these group of people on the hunt and then he would die in the pursuit. He does die in the pursuit of revenge or attack or whatever, but... He... Yeah, it's not very clear because this bear didn't do shit to him. No, no, he's just lost it. Maybe he thinks all bears are out to get him. Maybe he's living in a Jaws for the revenge kind of world where like bears come out and hunt That's him. That's my favorite one. Oh, it's classic. And uh if only a random ship had shown up to impale the bear and then Mario Van Peoples just came out and was like, I'm okay guys. Uh that would have been we didn't need a ship to show up. We had an entire concert impale this bear. <laughs> that is true. And then we hung him up and we all celebrated over top of its corpse. Again, this is full on Midsummer. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is a prequel to the movie Midsummer. So, I mean, that's. It... The, the evil rich Do you lady remember is, the... The, is the May Queen. It's all it all fits. Oh. oh, I could see it, yeah. Do you remember the uh, the group of people who are going to get rich off killing this one bear? Yeah, that's what I that's what I meant when I brought up the guy who talks to his dead rabbit. Okay, I didn't remember I didn't remember that he talked to his dead rabbit because uh, my brain's been trying to, to prevent me from forming any new memories about this movie. Yeah, no, that's fair. There's this great scene. So, okay, so there's this guy who is hunting with his other hunter's brother. The hunter's brother gets killed by the bear. No duh. And the other guy starts running, and he runs into the. Do, guy's... do you see him get killed? Uh, kind of. Like, I think it's just, like, some swipes. Like, I think it's just, like, a swipe, swipe. Oh, you, you got more than I got then. Yeah. I, uh, heard a scream, and then apparently he was dead. 
it's a reoccurring thing in my version. <laughs> Amazing. And so he goes back and he runs into the other these three other hunters. One of those hunters is the dude's brother. And they immediately think that that dude killed his brother for some reason. They don't for fucking no reason. It never once gives us any reason except that these are bad guys, so they're bad. Yeah, exactly, and they're poachers. They do reference that they're poachers at one point. So these men are now all four of them are going hunting for the bear, and they're going to try and kill the bear, and they're probably going to try and sell the bear for a bunch of money. The pelts and, and three stuff. of them are holding the one hostage and like making him do all the digging and all the work. Yeah, exactly. It's like a straight up like good, the bad, and the ugly moment, and he's just like you dig, um, and it, it happens, and uh, they have all these pits dug. They're all prepared for the bear. They're ready for this fight. They're all going to get rich. And then they're all sitting down. And then this guy brings out this dead rabbit. This bald guy. One of the guys is kind of balding. He brings out this dead rabbit and he's like... What do you got against bald guys, man? I, this movie. Let me just tell you. Uh, <laughs> he's talking to this rabbit and he's like, Well, Billy, what do you think of us today? And the rabbit's like... And he's, like, moving this dead rabbit. And, like, honestly, I don't think this movie had a budget to make a fake dead rabbit. I think someone just killed a rabbit. And this is the corpse on the film. So be aware of that. Hope they ate it, He just I guess. brought that from home. He probably did. That guy looked fucking nuts. Um, but he... All four of those guys do look like... I gotta give the costume department and those actors credit. They all look like scumbags. They all look like characters from a rape revenge film. That's just what I'm gonna... It is! And they're after, but they're the ones like they're they're after the bear because the bear raped one of theirs. So it's like a reversal. It's true. It's true. And you're definitely rooting. This for movie the bear. was basically the revenant. <laughs> basically the revenant. Uh, you know, give all the Oscars to this man. So he's talking to this rabbit, and they're having he's having this discussion about the rabbit. And he's like, "Well, I figure we get a hundred thousand dollars out of this. What do you think, rabbit?" And the rabbit's like. We're all split like three ways at twenty five thousand apiece. Yeah, and then he and then he's like, "What about two ways?" And they kill one. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What about two ways?" And then he shoots at one of the guys. The guy falls into the pit, the pit that they made for the the bear. Spike pit. Yeah, the spike pit, and he gets like spiked, and that's like the only other good kill in the movie. That was we saw that one in my cut. Wow. Because there was no bear. They just shot that with the dude. Oh yeah, the bear doesn't even show up in that scene. And those guys just kind of die. Yeah, exactly. Like we we see we see that death because there was no bear required, so they could just shoot that death regularly. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It was. Uh... I've noticed that we're thirty minutes into this podcast, and we've managed to pretty much avoid talking about the main character. I want to ask: Is that because he is the most boring sack of cardboard that has ever been a main character? Because he has nothing going on in this movie. There, there was a scene where he was talking to the other female lead, and like they mentioned something about a backstory. But he's so boring that I just was like, "I'm just gonna sleep now. I just can't." He, he has the same expression in pretty much every scene. He is, he is straight up bad. But now I got, now I need to figure out if this guy has done anything else in his life. Like, he, he did, he did have one great moment. So in my cut. We saw him run, and then we saw him run again, and he got into a, uh, what is that, like a forklift? Oh, yeah. Then we saw him yeah. get into a forklift again and yell at the bear, and then we saw four more cuts of it where he yelled at the bear each time, and it became almost this sort of like, 
it was the most surreal watching experience because it just felt like deja vu. It was just four different angles of a man yelling at a bear. And then he goes at it with a forklift, which immediately, in my cut, so the forklift goes, we cut to white, and then the, we cut back and the forklift has fallen over. So, so I have to imagine <laughs> that bear just kind of pushed it or something. Yeah, there was just like a bear like rearing up and like swatted it. Okay, so yeah, there's no bear that swatted it in mind. It's just suddenly it's on the ground and it's like, what do you think happened? That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, we need to talk about some of the other movies that this guy has been in. Okay. Okay. He was in Cruisin'. I haven't seen that yet. That's the Al Pacino the Al, uh, Al... gay nightlife one, right? Yeah, the one about like the serial killer tog- targeting the gay community. That was really controversial for its time. Um, and then he was also, the same year as this... As Grizzly? As Grizzly. He was in Staying Alive. No. The John Travolta sequel to Saturday Night Fever. No. And... Okay. So he was all he was in tight pants and probably like a really flashy jacket or something. Probably. I really hope oh, that he was man. in that. I wish he brought that. He should have brought that outfit to shooting Grizzly. Oh man, those dance and music sequences would have been so much better if that was the case. Um, Isn't it crazy how many can can we underscore just how much of this movie is dedicated to setting up the concert? We so begin much. setting up the concert. To the point where like, I was like, is this like when they start really getting into the musical numbers, I was like, okay, is this rehearsals or is this concert so sparsely populated? I thought it was this I, is I, the I literally thought it was the concert and you have like you're like, Oh, I guess people came to watch trash. This must <laughs> actually be a small concert. But then they're like, That was a great rehearsal. You're gonna kill it out there. And then we turn around and we see the concert at the end and it's massive. But it there is there was no there was no artistic talent brought to the music. It was literally like just a couple hit uh, keys on a keyboard and like somebody saying the same thing five hundred times. Get the milk to, from the coconut. Oh, the the problem too with it is like it holds on it so long that you're going, okay, I get it. Next scene. Yeah, so it really is. Like, how much did you have to fill this movie out? Yeah, they definitely did. Because, like, I, okay, so I was, I'll be honest. The first 50 minutes of this movie, I was kind of in. Because it was, like, kind of dumb, kind of silly, kind of fun. But I had thought that 50 minutes had been an hour and 20 minutes. And we were about to hit the climax. But it was just the 50-minute mark. And I was like, oh, no. I stopped at 45 and picked it up the next day. Yeah, no, that's fair. Because... Uh, it is a slog. It is a slog. That much is for certain. Um, I it, it is, they feel so much of it, and they don't like your your tracking of the bear has no tension in it either. Because your character is always behind the bear, going up. Oh, the bear did this. Hey, there's blood there. The bear did. Yeah. And it's not until the end of the movie that bear meets hero. Yeah, exactly. Like you'd think they'd have a clear trajectory for the bear. Well, I mean, you have to say it did have a clear trajectory. It was towards the concert. I mean, like, there was never any doubt that the bear would end up at that concert. That is true because can you imagine if it didn't? That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, like... The bear just gets shot and killed. Like when 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 the hunter uh, shoots the wrong bear, it's like it was the real bear, and then you just have like twenty more minutes of the concert, and then everybody goes home after having an adequate time. Yeah, honestly, 
this movie was pretty much again it had the same structure as the star wars the holiday special the star wars holiday special no that's that's too mean to the holiday that's special too, yes the whole the whole no the holiday the holiday special was a variety show this this had two clear parts it had the woods and it had the concert and it's cutting back and forth between them which implies that temporally we're moving forward together which means that they will meet at one point and they do they converge it has a clear structure the problem is that even though the structure is clear it didn't have enough scenes to fill out and so it just threw shit in there Okay. Okay. No, I will give you that. I will give you that. It did. It did throw. I'm that sorry. The, the Star Wars special is a little bit too mean for this one because th- it's clear that they did think a little bit about it, but it's also clear that that money was running low. Yeah. No. 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 That's uh, that's totally fair. They really did not have the budget, like you can tell. Um, this is such like an odd. It had to have been somebody who knew like the guys that were running that show. It, that's what it had to have been. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they had to like sneak in, and they had to like bribe a roadie or something, like, and just get. <laughs> you you think that they you you think that it wasn't set up officially, and they just tricked their way onto the stage? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think this was a full on grift. Like, I think you they... have one of the, like Euro pop losers, and they're like, no, 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 I'm the uh, I'm the second drummer. I'm the second drummer for this band, for the Nazareth. I'm part of the band. I'm part of Nazareth. <laughs> And then everyone else is just like they need they need me, man. I do the uh, I play the triangle. Ding ding ding, that's just amazing. Can you think of another movie, like some other movies that are like framed in such a way that they have long musical acts in between other scenes that kind of coincide? Because like I'm trying to think here, because like I think there's a movie called The Monster Club. Have you ever seen The Monster Club from 1980? Yeah. Oh, I love of that course. movie. Oh wait, wait, wait. Maybe not. Okay, so the Monster Club. Is that the one with the kids? Oh or is no! Is that the no. one with Vincent Price? There's, I sorry, yeah. There, there are two. There are two versions. Uh, yeah, there's the one a, with the kids. There's the Monster the Squad, which I think is what that's you're what thinking, I'm thinking of. of. Yeah, no, no. I'm thinking of the Monster Club, and that one's got Vincent Price. So that movie takes place at like a, a undead nightclub, where like some guy gets to come to the undead nightclub, and then he is. Uh, it's like an anthology, but in between every anthology is just like a, these amazing musical acts um, that just play. And that's supposed to be like the bands that are inside of the Monster Club while he is like hanging out with Vincent Price and like learning about the monster world. I feel there has to be a few films that have also tried mix in like concert and horror. And then like, I guess um, Phantom of the Opera. Doesn't one of the Phantom of the Operas have like some pretty significant musical sequences and then stabby stab? Oh, probably. I mean, if you want, depending on how many you want, because you could go like if you look at Dirt Fan, that breaks down at one point. She watches the person sing on TV and then later goes and sees the person sing. So it has that sort of broken in, but it's actually written into it. I mean, technically, it was written into this. The bear's going to go to the concert. But in that one, it was clear that, oh, no, no, the music is supposed to be here. And in this one, it was the music needs to be here because we need to fill time, though, actually, uh, let's get back to music in a minute there, because there are some choice bangers in this, actually. <laughs> okay, sure. Did you not remember the great Michael Jackson? Oh, gosh, yes, how there's Mike. Okay, so in your cut, there's Michael Jackson, like, every other scene? Uh, not every other scene, but often. 
they couldn't have licensed that, right? Like, no, no, no. It was it was absent. So what you do when you're doing the work print like that is you would some oh. people will slice in music to be like, this is the idea for what we'll be playing here. And so it was clear this was just for the editor to go like, this is what you want to put here, or for whoever was going to do the score to kind of have an idea. And then that would never have made it into the movie, but because we never got a movie, we only have the work print, so we actually have those in there. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's like a, almost like a temp score, like how every movie now sounds very similar. Oh, because it's absolutely a temp score, yeah. yeah. Because they're constantly using temp scores, so like that kind of uh, that kind of makes a lot of sense. I get That's it. why I never edit with a soundtrack. No, no, that that makes a lot of sense because music is like the last part. That makes sense. That's why every Marvel movie now sounds like exactly the same, is because they all use like the same like work print stuff, right? So yeah, there was a there, I forget who was talking about that, but there was a great podcast on it that I heard at one point, and it's you you can hear it absolutely. Okay. What are the bangers? Were there any other bangers that you want to talk about other than MJ? Uh, MJ is really the only good one. Because anything that is diegetic is absolutely terrible. Fair. Oh, but speaking of terrible, we forgot the whole subplot with um, Leeds' daughter. Why was that in the movie? Did she get eaten by a bear? I forget. I don't think she got eaten by a bear. I think she just, you know, got to work at a concert being a runner for a little while and then a bear showed up and then yeah i mean i guess we had to have some there's really reason. nothing that comes after that i guess we needed some reason for the uh for the main character to want to save these people because like as is he seemed kind of ambivalent like if his daughter wasn't there he's probably like yeah let the bear eat them all let him eat those stupid stupid losers that would be a very interesting movie if you played you, you played with the structure of this in you don't necessarily have to first off you take out any of the points where you're cutting back and forth between like pointless musical acts you make sure when you're cutting back and forth everything is moving forward a theme if you took a you could take out the daughter or in that that would be one interesting way but what would be really interesting is to have the guy be ambivalent he's working up he's trying to do this because of his daughter and then like something happens with his daughter maybe somebody assaults her or maybe the bear eats her something negative happens to make him go further in his ambivalence instead of come out like a hero. And instead of having him stop in the bear, you basically have him allow the bear. And then you have this horrific end scene. See, now you're, now you're doing some like dogma stuff here where you're trying to like, (laughs) trying to like do different filmmaking ideas and tropes to apply to this one movie. Well, it's not so much tropes. It's just, it's a different, it's a different way you could play this movie and have a ending that's the ending as it is is exactly what you expect in a movie like this. But if you were trying to do something different, that would be a very interesting way of doing it, I think. That's true. That's true. That would have been that would have been a pretty solid way to do it. Are you amazed there wasn't even really a love love triangle between or like a love interest between those two characters, right? Cuz well, they didn't kiss. I don't I don't they didn't kiss, but I thought that they had something going because they were really close, but then, like, I guess they didn't have it. It was very confusing because they they seemed too close. Like, they, they'd had, they had a chemistry for sure, but then it was like the film just didn't care, which is fine by me, but I mean, it's... the only thing that those characters, their, their, their whole interaction is based on the idea of, I want to shoot the band. 
I don't want you to shoot the bear. I want you to drink the bear. Well, I don't want to drink the bear. I want to shoot the bear. Well, I disagree. Well, I disagree too. Okay. That was the entirety of their arc. Well, like, she actually has an arc because she eventually well, goes she, like, shoot the bear. Yeah. She does have the arc. He doesn't really. No, exactly. The whole time, like the whole movie, he's like, I want to shoot the bear. And then he shoots the bear. Well, he doesn't shoot the bear. He does a lot worse to the bear because he's an absolute sadist. And <laughs> we really should lock him up after what he did to that poor innocent creature. All it did was maul like 10 or 12 people. Yeah. And I mean, like the way that that bear goes out, it's like, oof, oof. I hope somebody ate that bear, I guess. Cause like you got to use something with that. Oh man. Oh yeah, but it's also gonna be real gross too, and that pelt's ruined. Like what a all those staples. And here's the thing too, like, do you think the bear knew how fucking metal it was? <laughs> Probably. Like, that... The bear was going out like its paw just kind of like a, the middle of its paw closed, and it just made the devil horns yeah, and was like exactly. accepted its faith. And they're like, wow, it's now the patent of rock and roll. They're like, wow, this is better than any other concert we saw tonight. This, at least this guy this cool bear. The music sucked, but there's a bear. Was there, in your version, was there an excessive amount of explosions? Yes. Yes, there was. There was a lot of explosions. And it really confused me because when they cut to the scene of the actual concert happening, it seemed like nobody realized that people were dying right behind the main stage. Yeah, it seemed like everything was absolutely fine. And then, of course, like we said, we have the evil character get away with it all. But there, there was one explosion where the camera was too close because I think it was like four times bigger than they expected it to be. They had a couple different shots of it and that, but it was like it was so big it was just a white flash and you couldn't see a damn thing because they had fireworks going off everywhere. And so it was just smoke everywhere. So as soon as this explosion happened, it just all the light just hits that smoke and just blinds the screen. I I, but it I definitely saw massive. it was massive. I definitely saw a character get on fire to do like a fire stunt. Oh yeah, there was a there was absolutely a fire stunt. Now I love that. I was like, good job, movie. Well, me being like knowing how cheap this movie was, I was like, was that a fire stunt, or did that dude get set on fire for this movie? <laughs> You know what? I gotta be honest with you. I've done a lot of crazy things in my life, but I don't think I would let somebody put me on fire for Grizzly 2. No, you don't think so? You know, you could just be missing out. Like, it could be amazing. Yeah, like, you might, like, live in with third-degree burns all over your body. <laughs> oh, you get, man. You get used to it after a while. After a while. After a while, you get to it. See, this is, this is one of those movies where I mourned the death of the IMDb message boards because oh my god absolutely because you know like somebody had to leave a review to talk about it but you know that person if the message boards were there they would actually have probably spilled some great deets oh sorry 100 100 you're being all cool and hip with your deets you deets talking talking deets um in deets <laughs> we are we are tremendously cool, folks. Um, the coolest of the cool were as cool as that bear who died in the most metal way. Um, that bear really metal. But I, you got to give it that. Like, if you're going to kill a bear in your movie, do you want to shoot it or do you want to impale it and then hold it up for fifty thousand people to witness? <laughs> yeah, no fair. That's how you got to do it. But I, in the IMDb message boards, I bet you, like, before the work print, because the work print didn't surface until I think 2011. I was reading. Uh, 2006 or 2008, I thought. Oh, okay, okay. A bit earlier than that. But, like, IMD message boards were still around before that. 
and they would have totally had like at least five posts of people who said they saw the movie but they never <laughs> saw the movie <laughs> and they would have all these alternate versions of grizzly 2 out there because they'd be talking about the plot they'd be like yeah i worked on the movie and you know like this bear he was in space and you know well i mean that's why people think that the you, that the bear didn't work like but the thing is like what we what what we see in the work print was all the shit that was shot in uh in Hungary. The stuff with the bear was shot back on stateside. Right. Okay. So we never saw those two those uh, all that footage come together. The work print lacks all that, but apparently that was set up and was ready and or either even was shot. I would have to read it again, but that stuff was all being handled and okay with to begin with. So that probably came about because of the IMD message board. Somebody just going, yeah, like I was on, I was on set, and the bear just, uh, it wouldn't work, and that, and then the guy was like, he was fiddling with it, trying to get the the animatronic bear to work, and then it just it fucking mauled a kid, man. Can you imagine like a kid die for this movie? <laughs> it's okay. That's it's okay. Your son died in the purpose of art. He had an important death. I want I want the terror season. Yeah, exactly. I want the terror season three to be set on uh, the this on the set of Grizzly on 2. the set of Grizzly two, and it's a real grizzly is mauling these people, but they keep thinking it's part of the film and part of the movie. And then and then everybody's like, you know, keep filming, keep filming, keep filming. We need this. We need and this. The special effects guys really knocked it out of the park this seat or this this time. <laughs> That that explains why some characters just disappear from the work print. Oh my gosh, we've discovered the truth. We watched a snuff film. Oh god. Um, I I you know what? This is gonna this is awful. But I would not be surprised if like I would not have been surprised if we found out that somebody died on the set of this film they shot in Hungary on low budget like. They had guys up in rafters and everything. Like yeah, and I was like, I, I work safe. I work in like event productions. Like that's kind of what my job is. And like I was looking at, it, I was like, man, that guy does not have a proper harness on. That's there's no good safety protocols. That dude's not even wearing a shirt. Uh, like this is not going well. There was good. And like that it. that explosion at the end. I know I've said this already, but it was huge. Like it, I saw that, and my first thought was. Like the camera is way too close. They did not think it was going to be that big. Like, I I half expected one of the cameras just to fuck off, and suddenly it goes to like found footage editing <laughs> where it like hits the ground and fuzzes out because it was massive. And so if I found out like, oh yeah, they had a they they had a couple grips back there, like I would not have been surprised because it it really does seem like a dangerous production. Yeah, no, that's that much is true. That is undeniable. It is undeniably looking dangerous. That is for sure. I mean, at, at the end there with the fireworks, there's fireworks going literally every direction, and it's like that that explodes and just what's going to go up? Like you have no idea. Yeah, I have no. It's oof, oof. Okay, I think we may have kind of ran the gamut on our full full discussion about Grizzly Two. As you can tell, Laura Dern doesn't really factor much into this episode uh, because Laura Dern wasn't in this movie much. She was in this movie for about 15 minutes or so. That's being... No, 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 no. She was in it for like four and a half minutes in the first 15. I was counting the credits. 
she appears twice in that. So kind of. You mean, twice. Wow. Yeah, because she's at the starting credits and the ending credits. Because uh, this work, the the guy who made like he made terrible credits, by the way. Oh like, wait, there was credits on yours? Oh yeah, the guy made terrible credits. Oh, like they were, oh, they man, were real the, bad. There was none on mine, of course. Oh yeah, there was like credits at the opening where like as the credits were seeing, I think you just saw scenes from the first movie of like paws like slamming through doors and like tearing people apart. And then it would cut to oh, another person's name. And I was like, okay, I'm guessing, like, is this about stuff that's like, going to happen? Like, am I going to see all these, like, cool effects, like, where this bear is, like, breaking through an outhouse and just, like, about to knock oh. this person? No. I oh. was not. But, yeah, so there were credits there, and then there were credits at the end. So there were, like, opening credits and ending credits. So you're like, oh, wow, this is a fancy movie, I guess. Fancy. It's fancy. Um, it took it took Jimmy 12 years, but he finally did it. <laughs> In the realm of giant bear movies, where would you rank this? First off, I need to know what your favorite giant oh. bear movie is. And then where okay. would you put this in the, the realm of... Prophecy 1979. The, okay. Uh, uh, there is a scene in Prophecy where... So it's a mutated bear. Okay. And there's a scene where it suddenly attacks a campsite. And there's a kid who, like, he's in his sleeping bag. And he jumps up and he's, like, trying to hop out away from it. And he's freaking out. And the bear swipes him and he goes flying like 20 feet like mock speed and just the sleeping bag just smacks into a rock and like blood and feathers just go everywhere okay amazing and you can find that that scene on youtube it very easily at least watch that you owe it to yourself fair enough fair enough and how would you rank grizzly in that category grizzly is absolutely below prophecy but it's probably above grizzly park it's below probably below grizzly one i would imagine probably so probably i would say uh in the lower three in the lower 30 percent okay you mentioned grizzly park is that just a jurassic park parody with bears because that'd be really boring no I, it was like a straight to video like there's a bear movie okay that's fair i think my it's very boring it's very boring i get it i get it um i think my favorite giant bear movie is son of kong because in that little baby kong fights a big bear and that's pretty dope it's a pretty good fight if we're talking bears i need to give a shout out to that one bear from lake placid oh okay that's a great scene as well. And the way that I would compare this movie and this bear and where it ranks. So there's a scene in the movie Annihilation where there's a bear with a human voice. And like it just like opens its mouth and like weird human screams come out. That The amount of terror that the characters feel in that scene of the movie when Natalie Portman and all those characters like shaking in their booties. That's how you will feel after watching this movie. Uh, that's the only way I can. That's, that sounds fair. That's the only way I can really describe the process of watching Grizzly Two, The Predator. Now I haven't seen Grizzly Two, the concert. So like maybe we'll have. To... It kind of feels like I've stepped into a new world. It, like it really opened me up to the ways of the universe. Like I was the protagonist of a Lovecraft story. I mean, technically, <laughs> not a good it, feel. Technically, it was very unknowable because you didn't be able, you weren't able to see shit. Like you weren't, you didn't see <laughs> no, no, I had to, I had to use my mind to make it, and that's how it gets in there, and it infects it. Wow! So you're when we find you ra- ranting and raving in the bottom bottom of a cave, this will be one of the seventeen things that I would put in the top ten to blame you for. 
that reason. Yeah, that sounds good about right. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. And where on the Laura Dern scale would you rank this movie? So one is uh, no, like it's barely any Dern. Ten being the Derniest well, Dern of the, that ever Derned. So it's got to be a zero because I didn't even recognize her until the scene when she dies because the shot, the shots in the footage quality is so bad that I didn't even know that I was Dern and when I, why I was. Okay, okay. And I would give this a 0.5 out of 10 Derns because I did enjoy... Her name was in the credits her, twice. Her name was in the credits twice, and I enjoyed her swearing. Her Most of her lines were her swearing as she was climbing up a mountain and being like, God damn it, I hate this stupid oh. mountain. I'm not a mountain climber. And I was like... She was so frustrated. She was very frustrated, and I was like, you know what? I can appreciate this. I can appreciate And it's like... Fun fact, those were all outtakes. What? No, I'm not making that up. <laughs> that was just her talking to her agent on the phone, and they just... They just Why the fuck? I hate mountain climbing. I should not be out here. Why are you... I'm in Hungary for crying out loud. They're threatening to shut down the production. <laughs> Get me David Lynch. I want to be in a Lynch movie. What is this shit? <laughs> And I guess that, uh, that kind of brings us to our end of our very first episode of the Laura Dern podcast. Uh, so please feel free to email me at the Dern, Dern, Laura Dern podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at the Derncast. Once I make that, I think I've made, I will have made that at the time of this episode. And uh, yeah, so that's where you can find us. Please rate us on your uh, on your form of platform of choice. But before we get to the very end, Zach, what are some ways people can find you in the future? How can they find your, um, your exploit? So I run a website, which is scriptophobic.ca. Uh, that has a ton of awesome writers, a bunch of stuff about writing horror movies. We look at some scripts. We talk about movies. We interview cool, cool people. I also do uh, sell screenwriting services there. Uh, Kyle Warner, he uh, sells novel services like Editin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Light is Faden. I do a bunch of stuff there, like say th really silly things, and then realize I said it to a, over a thousand people and suddenly go, why did I do that? And by the time this releases, I may or may not have another site up called writeindarkness.com. And that's sort of a, it's all, it gathers all my stuff, but there's a blog there, which is going to have weird and, you know, the types of posts that like will either inspire you or make you roll your eyes and go, what the hell is this guy talking about? But it should be fun. So hopefully that'll be up when this comes out and you can check it out. Nice. Nice. Well, I just want to say thanks again for joining, uh, for coming on the podcast, man. It was great to have you. Oh man. I would, I love being here for your inaugural jumping of the shark. Exactly. Exactly. And now that the shark has been jumped, just be prepared for all kinds of madness coming forward and coming to your ears in the Dern cast in the future. Thank you for listening and have a Dernful day. Bye.